so yeah, I went out with my bathing suit and my spots were out and um, everyone was super supportive in like a very mm. subtle way. Like no one was like, oh my God, your spots. Like I didn't know. Um, yeah. But everyone was just like super casual about it and super supportive. Um, and that day was like a catalyst for me to realize, you know, I have really great people around me. And a lot mm-hmm. of the fear that I have about showing off my skin is self-generated because I have mm-hmm. so much fear about what I think people will think, or I project my own opinions or fears about it. And I have to have more faith that the people around me are, you know, care about me for more than what I look like. Um, and that day really proved that. And it, and it made me feel a lot more sure about myself when it comes to, you know, just being in public um, in general. Welcome back to the Very Nearly Almost podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Sullivan. Today's guest was such a serendipitous circumstance. I was scrolling through Instagram like the bag of sand that we can all be when we're scrolling through Instagram, and I stopped because I saw something wonderful, and it was Miss Amara Alamon drawing beautiful paint images on her vitiligo spots and reclaiming something that otherwise can be really uncomfortable and really traumatic and really hard for people that have vitiligo. And so I immediately reached out to her. I was so inspired by her art and her story. And lo and behold, she was game to come on my podcast. And so while today's episode is not about alopecia, again, vitiligo, alopecia, very closely related, you'll see that Amara and I have a lot more in common than you might think. So Amara, thank you so, so much for being on VNA. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I know I really enjoyed taping it. Amara Alamon, I am geeking out. I am such a fan of yours on the interwebs, and I am so honored to have you on the Very Nearly Almost podcast. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to get talking to you. So you are someone who you do not have alopecia. You have vitiligo, which actually in my experience as an alopecia support group leader, The two aren't completely dissimilar. There's like autoimmune stuff going on. Your body is just kind of wild and out and making choices that maybe you wouldn't make. Um, And so (laughs) I'm really honored and excited to dive into this journey with you. So I've done my research on you, Amara, and I just, I think you're so incredible. So thank you. You were not born with vitiligo. And I feel like most people kind of like alopecia, like I I'm 30 now. I had, I was diagnosed with alopecia when I was two. I feel like vitiligo and alopecia, it's sort of this thing that like arrives. And when it arrives, it kind of comes with this complete reframing of your own identity. And that's obviously very hard. And what I think is so interesting about your story is You are a dancer and this vitiligo arrived in your life at a really like time when you were so happy. You were on a Disney cruise dancing. So tell me a little bit about that and how this um, visitor sort of came at like a very blissful time for you. Yeah, sure. So I was dancing at the time of my diagnosis. Um, I had been dancing my whole life. I was about two to four when I started dancing. 
and I spent my whole life training and I had my sights set on Broadway eventually. And so uh, working for the cruise line was kind of my start into the professional dance world. And I was really excited to be surrounded by, you know, people who had been in the theater business for years and people who were who had been on Broadway that I was finally getting to meet and learn from. And so for me, you know, it was the most exciting time of my life as a dancer. It was everything I wanted. I felt like, you know, I was just getting my foot in the door um, to making my dreams happen. And so it was definitely a really exciting time of my life. Um, and towards the end of my last uh, contract there on the ship, I noticed that I had a few white spots on my palm. And at the time, I had no idea what vitiligo was. I had seen it on other people, but I didn't know the name of the condition. I knew nothing about it. And so when I saw it start to appear on my palms, I kind of ignored it. I thought it was a sunspot. You know, I didn't think anything of it. Um, but by the time I returned home, about three to four months later, they had spread to the front of my hands. And so I started to get a little more concerned. Um, that's when I went to the dermatologist and received my official vitiligo diagnosis. And it kind of derails everything from there. I did like I didn't know what to expect, first of all, um, because I was someone who didn't realize that it was something that could happen later in life. Mm -hmm. I thought it was something that you had to be born with. So mm -hmm. that is a common misconception with the um, condition is that you have to be born with it, but you can actually develop it at any point in your life. Like you said, it is an autoimmune uh, condition. So what happens with vitiligo is um, everyone in the world, whether you're pale or you're dark skinned, unless you you have albinism, um, everyone has something in their skin called a melanocyte. And the job of this melanocyte is to react to the sun and get either darker in the summer or you know get lighter in the in the winter. They react to the sun. And when you have vitiligo, what happens is those melanocytes go to sleep because your body decides that it's an enemy or it's a foreign object and it starts to attack it. And the result is these white patches on your skin. So that's something I learned through the discovery of my diagnosis and all that stuff. But at the time I had no idea. And I was just worried that it would spread to the point where I wouldn't be able to hide it because my main concern at the time was dance. I wanted to perform, mm. I wanted to be on stage and I had never seen anyone you know, do those things with vitiligo. So I figured, you know, if this is gonna be my skin from now on, then my dream is over. I'm not gonna be a dancer. It's all crushed. And um, it, it, it kind of sent me into a bit of a spiral throughout mm. the next year where I just became super depressed and super reclusive um, post that initial diagnosis. Thank you for sharing that so vulnerably. Are you the first person that you knew with vitiligo? I was certainly, my dad has alopecia. So I at least sort of had that level of understanding growing up. But are you the first person that you knew personally right. that had it? You know, what's funny is my dad has a brother slash, I don't know if they're, they're brothers or cousins. They grew up like brothers, but they're early cousins. Mm -hmm. And um, we had met a couple times and he does have vitiligo, but he's someone that I don't have such a close relationship with. And so when I would see him, I would never bring it up or ask him about it. Um, but he's the only person that I can think of that I um, kind of grew up having the condition in proximity to me. But other than that, you know, none of my friends or, you know, close acquaintances, nobody else in my circle has, um, has vitiligo, no. Wow. And so in terms of your and when it when this was initially happening, when you got your diagnosis, um, tell me about sort of like your parents. Cause I, as a support group leader, I meet a lot of parents and that can be one of the toughest things to navigate. Yes. As a parent navigating, supporting your child, but also as you like going to your parents and being like, Ooh, something's wrong. And like, they can't fix it, you know? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that's actually tough because they, they went through a similar journey that I did with the whole, you know, dancer discovering her path to, you know, vitiligo diagnosis. They, they went through the journey with me because, you know, when they went to visit me on the ship and they saw me dancing and doing what I love to do, it was such a high moment for them. And then to go from that to me, you know, being home just a couple months later with this, you know, uh, newfound discovery, it's like it was a very fast change and a hard thing to deal with for all of us but um it was funny during the first few months I wasn't ready to address it with anyone um so they kind of like tiptoed around it um no Mm -hmm. one really mentioned it too much um you know my parents didn't bring it up um very often but I remember what the breaking point was one day I was in the living room and I was um putting rhinestones on a costume for a dancer um, who was competing, um, because I I still help out at my local dance studio here and there. So I was stoning a a costume. And as I was stoning the costume, I was just like looking at my hands doing the work. And I was like getting emotional at the fact that I was not even recognizing my own hands. Mm -hmm. Um, And I kind of had a moment where I broke down in tears and I ran to the kitchen and hugged my mom. And I was just releasing to her how frustrated and upset I felt about this change and how unready I felt to like accept it. And that's when she gave me her first few words of encouragement about, you know, there's certain things in life that will come across in your life, you know, certain hurdles and certain things that we have no control over. And she's someone who's really exemplified that um, in her life because she's had a lot of medical issues that she's had to overcome. And I've Mm. seen her do that throughout my life. Um, And so those words from her specifically meant a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though at the moment, you know, they were just words, I guess, and, and I still had a lot of growing and learning to do from that moment, but it was really that, that moment with her and that talk with her that set off the the self-love journey that I've been able to have over the last couple of years, for sure. That's amazing, Amara. Thank you for sharing so vulnerably. Yeah, I, I understand that once you signed, you got your initial diagnosis, you sort of, you said you hid away. Can you tell me a little bit? about that because it's yeah like growing up I wore hats and like I I'm actually recently dealing with some new hair loss I used to have like bangs chilling here now they're gone and so it's it's the dealing with the day-to-day of like the morning wardrobe and like how am I gonna introduce myself to new people and how am I gonna reintroduce myself to my people that expect to see me a certain way so can you tell me a little bit about that time yeah that's a that's a huge part of it for sure Um, It kind of happened in phases. So in the Mm. beginning, I was able to hide it pretty well with um, some camouflage makeup when it was still just a few spots on my hands. Um, So it started off with that. I would just put like camouflage makeup here and there. And that got harder and harder to do because, you know, in the summer, everyone's going in the pool at the beach. And I was um, always beachside on the sand, Mm. um, not wanting to go in the water because I didn't want the makeup to wash off. And um, once wow. it started to spread more, yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> I went into a lot of hiding um, during that time. And so once they spread to a point where I couldn't put um, makeup on it, I started wearing long sleeves. And my thing at the time was that I would poke a hole through all my sleeves so that the thumb would poke through. Oh. And all, like everything I wore was long sleeves with the thumb poked through mm-hmm. um, for a long time. Um, so, you know, it didn't matter how hot it was outside. I was outside with my long sleeve with thumb poked through. Like, it was my uniform at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once that became a little too much for me, like, I, I wasn't able to hide my fingers with that. And I, 
I kind of became overwhelmed and anxious. Like anytime I went to go grab something and my fingers slipped out, I, you know, I would hide and I would get anxious. Um, so I kind of stopped going out altogether because like you said, I didn't know how to reintroduce myself to people that I already knew who had known me my whole life one way. Um, I had a lot of anxiety over that. I didn't know, like, you know, how would they perceive me? You know, how do I even explain this? And then, yeah, the other aspect of it was I don't even um, associate myself with this condition yet. So I don't know how to introduce myself to new people, knowing that it's one of the first things that they'll notice about me. Mm. So so that resulted in, uh, yeah, I would say like a few months of pretty much not leaving the house. I didn't socialize. Mm. I hid myself away in my room. Um, yeah, no dance classes, nothing. I, I was in a pretty depressive state at that time. Um, and yeah, yeah, it was, it was a pretty dark time. Thank you for sharing that. And that was around, I believe 2017 was when you first were diagnosed. That's, that's a long time. And we've also all come out of this time and, you know, there's still fluctuations with COVID, but kind of isolating ourselves. And we, I think people now have a stronger sense of how hard that can be. So I'm so, you mentioned that beautiful turning point with your mother and we can learn so much from this, when we share our struggles with other people, like it doesn't minimize our struggles, but it's like, it's this way of being like, I see you and I can learn from that. And I can take what I have and take mm-hmm. the fuel of your journey and be like, oh, wow. Like for, like you said about your mom, like for you to say that, that means a lot coming from you. So tell yeah. me a little bit about your support system. <laughs> I understand you have an amazing boyfriend and I'd love to hear about that I sort do, of journey yeah. and your like <laughs> friendships. I know support systems are so crucial for people with anything different. So tell me a little bit about all of them. Yeah, absolutely. I would, I definitely would have gotten to the point where I am now without um, my circle of friends around me. I do have an amazing boyfriend and he's someone that I met um, almost like right at the cusp of me, like starting to kind of go out again post my diagnosis. Mm. Um, We went to high school together and we were in two different worlds at that time. He was like, the, the homecoming king oh, get a girl yeah. <laughs> he was in that world and I was like the little shy artist in the corner oh. who didn't talk to anybody like just two different circles completely so we didn't really cross paths in high school but later in life we reconnected and we realized that we actually had a lot in common um and Beautiful. he was somebody yeah and he he was someone that like right from the beginning he never like made me feel any type of way about my spots like he kind of accepted me right away with them and when I asked him later on like did you ever think anything about them like why did you never say anything and he's like well it was never a thing to me like I noticed them and you know that was it and he really allowed me the space um to talk about it with him once I was ready and in the moments where you know I wasn't able to find anything nice to say about myself it was really great to have him there to kind of be that voice for me and and um, say like all the encouraging, uplifting things that I needed to hear at that time. Um, and he introduced me to someone, um, one of his best friends, her name is Jeleni. Um, I met her through him and she is someone who really encouraged me to share the idea of art spots specifically. Um, yeah, I, I shared with her my idea of painting my skin and she was like, you need to put that online. Like, it's so cool. Um, so she was a great supporter. And then I have a group of friends that I grew up dancing with. Um, and they're the kind of friends that will like show up at my doorstep if I, if if they haven't heard from me for like too long, they'll show up at my doorstep and have like a, a hug circle, you know, for the night and like, you know, um, stop by by surprise and like bring snacks and cheer me up in that way. So I'm really, really lucky to have the people that I have around me. Um, 
yeah, it's been, it's been a game changer with the people I have for sure. That is so awesome. So yeah, I, I love, I, first of all, I just love, um, love manifesting in whatever ways it can, cause there's so many different ways. Um, but that's, mm-hmm. I, that's such a great story and it's, it's true, especially with like dating. Um, that's something I'm sort of navigating my way through this like new wave of alopecia. And it's, mm-hmm. it's one of those things where it's so easy to, it's, you said earlier, it's, and I've, notice this too. It's like reintroducing yourself to the people that already know you like a certain way or with a certain amount of vitiligo or with a certain amount of hair in my case. And mm-hmm. with dating, it's funny because I am someone, you know, I just published an article about dating with alopecia and I am a big proponent of putting yourself out there because like whatever fear or insecurity or anxiety, like, yes, you need to honor those feelings, but those feelings mm-hmm. are so small compared to the big win that is love. And so it's like, I think it's so worth pursuing. And like in my experience, like I've certainly gone on dates or I've, I've had crushes or I've had people that I'm like, I really like them. And there's that big like inhale of like, oh my gosh, like what is there? Like you, I think it's so cool that you like asked your boyfriend in retrospect, like, yeah, what did you think? And Mm -hmm. I would say, especially like people just always pleasantly surprise me with like what Mm -hmm. they have to say about it because unless they're really just rotten and sour, like they um, are supportive because they probably have something Mm -hmm. too. Or it's like, I think everyone, and again, like that's the whole purpose of this podcast. It's like, we're also busy worrying about our, what we think our thing is. And a lot of times, Mm -hmm. like I have friends who tell me what they think their thing is. And again, not to minimize it, but, and I'll, or I'll tell friends yeah. like, Oh my gosh, like I'm missing hair. And then they'll see me and be like, not really. And so it's just, <laughs> we, we obsess over these things. And like, it's like you said, mm-hmm. like you didn't leave your house and like dance is something you love. And like, it was this thing that someone just could honor you and look at you and be like, no, I like you as a whole. Like it's, it's just one part mm-hmm. of you. So I love hearing that. That's, that's so amazing. Um, Tell me about sort of, it seems like obviously you have this amazing boyfriend and he linked you up to the person that sort of inspired you to do art spots, but tell me about getting to a place where you personally felt comfortable in yourself. Like what was maybe the first time that you were like, oh, I'm doing okay. Yeah. So actually it's funny that you said, um, your article and and your perspective on, you know, having visual differences is just like putting yourself out there Mm -hmm. because that's exactly what happened um, with me and what was the catalyst for me to start accepting things for myself. Um, it was actually at a pool party. Um, it was after, you know, months and months of hiding months and months of camouflage makeup and long sleeves. Um, my boyfriend was going to be having a pool party with our mutual friends and, Leading up to the pool party, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Am I going to wear a long sleeve? Am I not going to go to the pool? Like, just thinking about it um, over and over how I was going to end up. Because this was the first time I was going to be around everyone. And, um, you know, I really wasn't feeling ready yet to to show off my skin and, and to be public with it. But the day of the pool party, I was changing into my swimsuit. And I kind of had this moment where I was like, if I don't just go out there, it's going to be another year of hiding and camouflaging and long sleeves. So it's either I do it now while I'm uncomfortable and just try to, you know, dive headfirst and hope that, you know, I can navigate my way through that. Or I continue the miserable, you know, lifestyle that I've been living, yeah. like hiding and not seeing anyone. So 
I kind of took the plunge that day and I, I was extremely uncomfortable. Like I didn't feel, I didn't feel ready and I didn't feel secure, but I felt like it was something I needed to do in order to just like kind of get over it in a sense. So yeah, I went out with my bathing suit and my spots were out and um, everyone was super supportive in like a very right. subtle way. Like no one's like, Oh my God, your spots. Like I didn't know. Um, yeah. But everyone was just like super casual about it and, and super supportive. Um, and that day was like, a catalyst for me to realize you know I have really great people around me and a lot of the fear that I have about showing off my skin is self-generated because I have so much fear about what I think people will think or I project my own opinions or fears about it and I have to have more faith that the people around me are you know care about me for more than what I look like um, and that day really proved that and it, and it made me feel a lot more sure about myself when it comes to, you know, just being in public um, in general. Thank you for sharing that. Days like that are so, I totally hear you. Like I stopped because as a kid, I used to wear, like I'd have clips to, I would just cover up. I was all about covering up super yeah. shy. Like t- I was a totally mm-hmm. different person and going into my mm-hmm. senior year of high school, the first day I was so scared. I was like, I don't know. And I decided to not cover up and I literally put a baseball cap in my purse. Cause I was like, I'm going to change my mind. Cause this is so scary. Okay, and yeah. everyone was so nice and I felt so comfortable mm-hmm. and ever honestly, this new bow is kind of interesting. Cause this is the first time I've like felt called to cover up at all or felt or been like, oh, I'm at a certain level Mm -hmm. that I wasn't at before. And I actually, so I do silent discos like for fun. Um, so much fun. So it's this thing, it's called what the flow. And so last week was kind of a bad week for me, like alopecia wise. And so I knew I was going to like the Halloween, uh, what the flow. And it's, it's amazing. It's like where the playlist is curated to like a beautiful route of the city. So it's like half, it's like what you do when you're walking down the street with your headphones, but you're doing it in a big group. And so I dressed as like, it's so much fun. So I dressed as like Nicole Kidman (laughs) from the AMC like thing. And so I had a blonde wig for the first part of it but it was so itchy and hot I ditched the wig like Mm -hmm. as soon as we went to the first bar and I took it off in the bathroom and I was like holy balls I look so bald tonight and I it it made me a little itchy because I was like oh man like I I want to feel good and like and honestly like float is just the most like open loving group of like people dress crazy even when it's not Halloween and it's just a wonderful group of people and so there was a moment of like, I'm a little scared. Like I'm a little scared to just like, now I've ditched my, my party city wig is in the trash. There's no going back now. Um, and I proceeded to go out and just dance my butt off and had the best time and felt beautiful and amazing. And like, I, I kind of was feeling itchy all week and it was this night that just totally, um, it was for me and it totally reshifted like, Mm -hmm you know, I feel a lot more powerful, like at this stage. And so it's, it's mm-hmm. a work in progress. And that's, I mean, that's why I'm also so happy to be talking mm-hmm. with you too. Cause it's like, we all need to talk about these things. So it's, it's those moments when you're like, I'm kind of scared to like make this tweak, but it's, it's for you. And it's like, yeah. that's mm-hmm. when it's so important to make those tweaks. Cause honestly, like part of me, I almost didn't go. I honestly almost didn't go to mm-hmm. float because I was like, I, I'm just feeling I'm not having a great week and I don't know if I can handle being extroverted right now. Um, and I'm, I'm yeah. so glad I did. It was really healing and it came at mm-hmm. the perfect time. So um, in terms of like, we, we talk about comfort, we talk about sort of 
taking on what we need and doing these things and pushing ourselves in good ways. Um, you've even said on TikTok that you're uh, kind of grateful for the lessons that Aligo has taught you. And I feel very similarly. I have friends that are like, you know, there's mm-hmm. new treatments coming out for alopecia and um, mm-hmm. people are like, oh, if you could cure it, would you? And I've actually, it's funny because mm-hmm. right now, like I I haven't had a full head of hair since I was two. So I'm so used to it. Yeah. And in your case, like, I think you did a TikTok about people asking you, like, were you born with it? And you showed all these pictures of you without it. And so, um, but you've also grown to a place where you've said you're grateful. And I I feel very similarly about my alopecia. It's taught me patience. It's taught me empathy. It's taught me compassion. So do you mind speaking on that a little bit and like what your vitiligo has taught you? Yeah, sure. So I think the biggest component um, is personality wise. I relate to what you were saying about your um, introvertedness. I've grown up an extremely shy, extremely introverted person. Um, And in a way, Vitiligo has kind of like forced me out of that shell. um, Because through wanting to express my creativity, and through, you know, people just having so much curiosity and questions about it, and also just going out and knowing that you're going to be looked at you know there's no hiding it's something different that kind of calls attention so um I had to get used to a lot more people noticing me when I would go out and so in a way that part of my personality kind of died off um because I had to I had to evolve uh with the condition I I no longer Mm. could hide you know I I stand out when I go out and um that's it's, it's resulted in a huge shift in my personality for sure. Um, I think I'm still a little introverted, um, <laughs> but in a lot of ways I've learned to be extroverted and I've learned to be a lot more expressive with my personality, which is something that I'm grateful for because I don't think I would have been able to express my creativity to the level that I have in the last year without having a little more self-assuredness. Um, mm. So that's one of the ways I'm, I'm definitely a lot, uh, very grateful for the condition, but also just the way it's shifted my perspective on beauty. Um, because growing up as a competitive dancer, I had a very narrow view mm-hmm. on what is was beautiful. And wow. I was very, very hard on myself personally when it came to comparing myself to what I thought that standard was. Um, you know, because when you grow up dancing, you're you're picked apart for, you know, what your hair looks like and what your extensions look like and your costume and like just constantly analyzing what you look like and how you're being perceived by others. And so that translated a lot in my adult life to where I had a lot of insecurities about my physical appearance and I projected that onto others. And I was very harsh with others about um, just physical beauty. And so through, through my diagnosis, um, I was able to kind of reframe that whole idea that I had about what the true essence of beauty is. And um, yeah, it just, it, it totally opened my world up because now I'm able to see beauty in so many different ways and layers. And um, it, it's opened my creativity up in a lot of ways too, because I'm able to see um, beautiful things in places that I wouldn't have looked before. Um, and so, yeah, the lessons I've learned through having a little are pretty priceless in my opinion. I think I've grown as a person in a way that I couldn't have without it. Um, and, and I love myself in a way that's a lot more honest than mm. I think I did beforehand, because even, even without my spots, you know, I was finding things to pick apart every single day. It was like, you know, I didn't like my nose one day and I didn't like my chin the next day. And it's like, 
now that I have no control over what I wake up looking like, you know, I could have a spot on my shoulder in a week and I have no say, you know what I mean? Right. So, so now, so now that I kind of had to let go of the reins, I have a lot more empathy for others, but also a lot less um, of a hold on uh, like, I, I just, I don't care as much about my physical appearance because it's like, you know, it could change tomorrow and like, I'm going to have to roll with it. So why obsess over it, you know, today and be stressed about it? Yeah, that's a beautiful, that's beautiful answer and a beautiful way of looking at it. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. thank you so much for sharing that. So not you saying I'm an introvert and then having over 168,000 <laughs> TikTok no, followers. I know. You are <laughs> so creative, incredible, funny, gorgeous. Like you, it's so funny. I'm kind of like TikTok phobic. Like I get really, like I open it. I feel like I'm on a roller coaster. I'm like, the video is starting. I didn't do it. No, I need to get better about it. I need to chill. I I mean, I work in the media. I really do need to get better at TikTok. But I, yours is just like this brain explosion of like, it's like watching like it's what I imagine. Like sometimes I'll watch people like bake food and stuff. It's just like, it's like a brain massage watching you do the art on yourself, but it's also, so it's like relaxing and it's a wonderful creative, like what, like it's like a creative mind bath, but it's also like Mm -hmm. as someone that like is such a champion of self-love, like I just see you so Mm -hmm. much and I see you kind of reclaiming this thing that's happened to you. Um, what was sort of the, of course, being a self-proclaimed introvert, uh, what was sort of the push that had you share these amazing art spots designs? Yeah. So because I am such an introvert and I knew how TikTok tends to like, you know, everyone has an opinion and you never know how you're going to be received. And I was really scared of that because vitiligo is something that, you know, not a lot of people know about and it's not typically perceived as a good thing in society so I was really really nervous to put it out there and the first I would say like 10 to 15 videos that I put out there didn't have my face in them at all I did all the shots yeah I did all the shots from like an aerial view and I would just paint my hand and have like a reveal at the end with just my hand Um, I didn't even speak in them at all no voiceovers nothing because I was so afraid to put my actual self in the video um and so, yeah, the first like 10 to 15 videos were just my hand because I was like, I, I don't want to actually be out there. I just have an idea that I would like to share. And, you know, I'll, I have the idea out there, but I'll keep myself private. Um, but once the video started to pick up, I started to get comments where people um, with the condition um, expressing how inspired they were or how encouraged they were by what I was doing. And I just felt more and more compelled to share more of my personality or more of my personal story with them because I could relate so much to what they were saying. Um, you know, comments about not feeling happy with their skin or feeling insecure or people who are being bullied um, for having their skin um, be so different. And that that really changed things for me because I said, you know, I have this thing that I'm doing that's helping me feel so much better. I feel like, you know, I I kind of owe it to these people in a sense to like share what I know and share what mm-hmm. I've learned. If it can help them, you know, get through that journey a little quicker or a little more supported. Cause I know that if I had someone, you know, in my circle who could relate or could um have that feedback with me about something similar, it would have definitely helped me on my journey a little quicker and a little smoother. Um, so yeah, that that's what kind of encouraged me to get in front of the camera after a while. 
how cool to go from a place of not leaving your house to feeling supported, to feeling comfortable because you said so, to now being someone that helps other people. That trajectory is no small feat and that's amazing. What is your advice to people with vitiligo now from where you're standing? That's a tough one because there's so much that goes into the journey and it's so different for everyone. Um, I think speaking for myself, uh, specifically my situation, because, you know, I I can only uh, speculate about how different it is if you're born with it. Um, Because I had I didn't go through, you know, middle school, elementary school with the condition. And I can only imagine, you know, kids when they don't understand something, they tend to make fun of it. And so. I wish I had more advice for kids in that age, you know, um, I don't have as much relatability in that department, but for people who are going through it in general, I would say that the main thing is to give yourself time because, you know, in the beginning, it's going to be hard to deal with. Mm -hmm. And if you don't give yourself the time and the space to kind of evolve with the condition and you fight against it, it it's it's going to be a tougher journey. So my so my biggest piece of advice is to give yourself time and be very patient with, with yourself. And don't think that you have to be at a place where, you know, you're comfortable showing it off and you're comfortable, you know, going out in public with it. If you're not, you're not. And give yourself the time and the patience to get there because eventually you will. And I also tell people to try painting them um, because mm-hmm. you don't have to put it online or anything if you don't want to. But in your own space, you know, put on some music light a candle, grab some tea, um, get some paint and just take that time to really hone in on your skin and paint it and treat it like a therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, Because for me as a creative, whenever I see them painted, it really like does something to my brain where it's like, I don't even see it as a skin condition anymore. It's like a piece of art and it's an extension of my, you know, creativity. So um, it's like a mind hack for me. I don't know something about painting. It really like shifts my perspective about the whole thing. So I do tell people to give it a try whenever I can. That totally makes sense to me. It's like taking what you have and playing with it. It's almost like a spa situation. Like yeah. that's especially what you're doing. It's it's that makes so much sense. And just re- again, reclaiming this thing that maybe makes you feel not so good and making it the thing that you're like, oh, like taking what you have and being like, oh, I'm a bad bitch and I look amazing. Yeah, so exactly. <laughs> I love that. Oh my gosh. Amara Alamon, I think you're so fabulous. I so appreciate you, you taking the time to speak with me. I have one more question and that's because I'm going to try to edit this yeah, before sure. Halloween. And I was looking at your costume <laughs> okay. from last year and it blew my mind. What are you going to be for Halloween? What are you going to do? <laughs> Okay, I am going to tell you, so I get comment after comment. Um, I think as long as I've been making videos, I've been getting comments of people saying that I should outline my spots in gold. And I've been holding off because I'm like, I want to do something really cool if I'm going to paint it gold. And like, I don't know. So my plan is to do a head-to-toe gold Medusa look. That's I think that's going to be my Halloween costume, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to do the snakes in my hair. I'm going to paint gold snakes on the spots and it's going to be a moment. <laughs> That's iconic. I cannot wait to see it. Um, Thank you. I, again, just a perfect example of taking this thing that was really hard for you and turning it around and making it your ferocity. So thank you so much for joining me, Amara. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. I was, it was great talking to you. You relate so much to the things that I've gone through. So it was a really easy conversation and I'm really happy I was able to contribute my story and it was great talking to you. Back at you, babe.
you so much for listening. Very Nearly Almost was conceived, created, hosted, written, produced, and edited by me, Lindsay Sullivan. Follow at Very Nearly Almost or at Lynn Sully 1021, that's a double S in there, for updates on the pod and much more. Kelsey Logan created the gorgeous music with Chef's Kiss Music Production by Colin Coogan. The incredible logo art was created by graphics wizard Ryan Casey and inspired by photographer extraordinaire Caitlin McNaney. You can check the art out right next to the subscribe button. As the kids say, I'd hit that. See you next time.